Welcome to Whisking It All with your host, Angela Spazito, co-founder of Whisk.ai, a food and beverage intelligence platform. We're going to be interviewing hospitality professionals around the world to really understand how they do what they do. So welcome to another episode of Whisking It All. We're here today with the CEO of Tiny Mile or tinymile.ai, Ignacio, and I don't want to butcher your last name, Ignacio Tartabun. Ignacio, thank you for being here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And that, that was a perfect pronunciation. Amazing. So for people who don't know, can you tell them what is Tiny Mile? Yeah, we do delivery. Uh, so this last mile delivery, uh, they're used to. We take food from restaurants and deliver it to people. The only kind of like different thing is that we're using robots. And we're doing this actually for free. And so we... We like this analogy of the internet. Uh, so a lot of the things in the internet are free and they're paid by advertisers. And that's our business model. Wow. I remember actually seeing Tiny Mile before I even knew it was Tiny Mile. So I'm, I'm personally based in Miami and I've seen these robots on the street. I had no idea what it was, but I've seen them on the street. So it's pretty cool that, you know, now that I, I got connected to you, I'm like, oh, wow, he's the guy behind these robots on the street. So <laughs> just, just for our guests to visualize, there's these actual robots just fully autonomous driving from the restaurant delivering it to someone's house you know last mile delivery but it's it's one thing they just hear delivery it's another thing to see the robot moving on its own crossing the street and you're like this is insane it's pretty mind-blowing i'm based in toronto i go to miami often and every time i'm there and i'm walking to the office i'm let's say 20 blocks away i always encounter a few robots before i make it and people are always like blown away when they see it across the streets. Everybody's like taking pictures and so on. And so it's impossible to not walk in the office with a smile on your face. That's awesome, man. So I'd love to hear like, obviously that's super technical, super advanced, right? We're talking robots, last mile delivery. So maybe to take a couple of steps back, like I'd love to hear more about your background. How did you end up wanting to do, you know, this? So, so tell me a bit about Ignacio. Yeah, um, I'm not going to go too far because I don't want to bore you, but before this, I was building autonomous vehicles and I was part of a very large company who was responsible for the death of a pedestrian in Arizona. And that was a bit of the wake up call for me uh, because in 2018, if you were to read TechCrunch or, or any of these magazines, it really felt that self-driving cars were around the corner. Tons of money was invested at the time, and it, it really felt that the technology was going to be ready within months. Um, but when that happened, that's right. really when I started reading and, and studying the history of self-driving cars. And there were early attempts in the, the early 90s and late 1980s, and it really felt that they were very close at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was this car that went from, uh, I think it was like Copenhagen to Berlin, uh, it's it, like 400 kilometers, basically almost purely wow. autonomously. And so if you, let's say in, in 400 kilometers, there were something like 20 interventions. And uh, so it's like five hour trip. And then, you know, someone touched the wheel for 10 seconds, you know, a few times. Oh, and so wow. in the early nineties, it really felt that it was around the corner. Like it was like 99.99% you know, based on time. Uh, and of course, it's been 30 years and it, it, the problem is still not solved. Right. And 
And so my my take at the time was that it was going to probably take another 10 or 20 years. And, and so the question was, how can we deploy this technology in a safe manner today uh, to try to bring as much benefit to society as we can? Wow. And if you can build something so small, so lightweight, something that weighs 20 pounds, that it's inherently safe, then you can really just like put them on the streets today. Mm. And, and that's what we've done. Um, but we still have this sort of like grandiose um, idea or this ambition of increasing the speed and the size of vehicles incrementally. And so now it's like 20 pounds and we'll start walking the speed. Uh, one day it's going to go on the road and it's going to go at, at bicycle speed. And wow. um, maybe, uh, you know, we'll win this race to the companies building trucks in, in 20 years. Who knows? That's amazing. That's it. I didn't realize that that's how far back, you know, self-driving cars went, but it makes sense. And it's true. I do remember in 2018, it felt, it literally felt like it was around the corner and, and apparently not. Right. Um, and what's, what's your kind of, um, maybe educational background? Cause obviously this is something you don't just pick up on the side randomly. Like I'm assuming you studied something pretty advanced. So I'd love to hear like, where'd you go to school? What did you study? Like, how did you just a little more history before you landed that kind of job in that field and, and, and what led you to to, uh, to this this startup, this venture? Thank you. Well, I did my bachelor's and master's in industrial engineering, which is a lot of math and optimization and so on. Um, when I was finishing school, that's when I got started in, in the AI world. That's, that's when I heard machine learning for the first time and so on. And we're talking now, it's been 15 years, maybe 10, 15 years. So it's, it's, it's been some time. And after that, I uh, went and worked at a computational neuroscience lab in Princeton. And so it was a lot of uh, slicing brains and, and taking pictures for these slides and doing computer vision to reconstruct it. And so that was a very large scale inference. And so a cubic millimeter brain was like a hundred petabytes of images. Um, wow. And so, uh, let's say hundred million dollars to to process just a cubic meter of brain and there's not not enough uh, disk storage in the world if you combine all computers to store a single human brain wow uh, and so that was like a, a very large scale computer vision project uh we did a lot of progress we learned uh we discovered a bunch of like neurons that we didn't know we had uh, we learned how we store certain memories uh, basically, neurons are like simple electrical circuits that, that right. once you extract it, you can simulate it and understand it. And, and from there, I got to work at Uber in, in these autonomous vehicles in mostly mapping. And so if you have to build maps for all of North America, it's also a fairly large scale um, machine learning project. Right. Uh, similar to the brain in, in, in some sense. Right. So that's the, the connection. Wow. Uh, and from there, the story I was just like telling before. Wow. And so, and so what led you to Toronto? Did you grow up in Toronto or like, tell, tell me a bit about that. Like where, where were you based? How'd you end up in Toronto? And I'd love to understand that kind of journey. Yeah. Well, it's quite a story. So, um, I, I was at Princeton again and I, I wanted to go to the industry after quite a few years in academia and and so I went, I interviewed all the big companies and, and, you know, you want to make them compete between them for salary. Uh, right. And so th this is 
you know, fun game to play. Everybody wants to be with their offer a little bit so that they, they have the best number and so on. And so I had uh, put certain rules that I think was like by July, all of them had to tell me their offer and otherwise, you know, it was not going to be considered. And so I planned everything around that. I, I broke my lease uh, so that I would, you know, make a decision by the end of the month and so on. And when I was two days from making the final decision, uh, a recruiter, I believe it was like from Apple, she calls me and she said, it turns out that your H-1B visa from Princeton is a non-profit and we made a mistake and we thought that, you know, it could be transferred to Apple, but it cannot. And and then I called, you know, the recruiter from Amazon to double check if, you know, it was the same thing for them and then the recruiter from Microsoft. Anyways, I had seven offers and they all vanished. And and then I didn't have a job anymore at Princeton and then I didn't have a house anymore. Uh, So it's literally sleeping, you know, first time, uh, literally being homeless, sleeping on the streets, uh, showering in the gym. And then... I had an email in my inbox from this company from, you know, from Uber from Toronto. Uh, I, I didn't even know where Canada was at the time, probably. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I agreed to interview and, and, you know, I, it's a super fun and it's just a problem to work with. Wow. And so I, it was a lucky choice. That's crazy! Wow, that, that's super interesting. So when, when just out of curiosity, because now I'm, now I'm invested in the story. When you found out the visa was expiring, like how long did you have left in the states before you had to like leave? Um, I think I could have technically be there for three months. Okay. Uh, and I stay for like a month or so, month and a okay. half. Um, yeah, it wasn't. Wow. You know, it wasn't that terrible. It's not that I was like homeless in New York. Uh, you know, I still had friends that I could like crash if I right, right, know, right. was rainy outside. And um, I actually was like enjoyable just because <laughs> I used to go home and watch TV from 6 p.m. until you know midnight or go to bed. But now that I didn't have a place to sleep and I had to kill time, you know, to get into my hammock, I would just <laughs> go and do every random sport That's that I awesome. could sign up for. And so I, you know, I don't really feed. I met a lot of people in in, in that month. And so it's good memories. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I'd love to kind of, you know, take it to the, to the next level, which is when it's obviously now, now, now I I think our audience is getting a sense of your background. You're quite a bright guy to put it lightly. Uh, And now I understand the, the, the passion, you know, behind tiny mile, but where does the restaurant side come? So I see the autonomous, the self-driving. What made you want to solve this problem for the hospitality space? Yeah, well, it's a it's a huge, huge industry. Um, if you look at companies like DoorDash and Uber Eats and, and GrabCab, um, you know, those are only the companies in the US. You can go to Europe and to India and to South America. And so there's like 20 or 30 of these companies and all of them are doing hundreds of millions of deliveries. And um, all of them are paying, you know, a few dollars per delivery, let's say between five and 10. Yeah. And so we're truly talking about billions and billions uh, of dollars. And so if we can make that incredibly cheap and, and capture some of the value, then you can build a business. Wow. 
Wow. Okay, so you got into the, the this. You guys kind of maybe kicked things off. I'd love to hear maybe the journey. Like, you know, so now you're in Toronto. You guys have this idea. You're like, hey, I got all this knowledge on, you know, self-driving vehicles. We see this niche or well, more than a niche because it's a massive market. But we see this, you know, uh, uh, let's call it market fit uh, that we want to, you know, test. So then what's the next step? How do you kind of, where do you go from there? Yeah, it was a pretty humble start. So I... I bought this RC car uh, from Walmart, took it to my apartment. <laughs> I had a Raspberry Pi, and then I spent something like two or three weeks at home putting this Tupperware and I'm writing this little website so I could drive this thing from my bedroom. And so I remember like putting it from first time on on the sidewalk and then going back to my apartment. It was like winter, you know, getting back into bed and I was just driving around Toronto. And I was blown away that it, it worked basically. I you know I drove wow. for an hour. Um and so then I started messaging people on LinkedIn and I got connected to someone who ran uh, one of these big delivery companies in Toronto. And so I had a coffee and I I told him what I had in mind and he took a checkout. Uh, wow. He wrote this five thousand uh, dollars check, and I, I was shaking. I, <laughs> I, you know, I went home and my arms were shaking, like holding this check, and I, I just couldn't believe that someone just wrote me a check. Uh, you know, that would allow me to pay two more months of rent. Wow! And and that was the start. And you know, wow, the that was something like four years ago. So this was twenty nineteen. Okay. And since then, we raised something like ten million. Um, so a lot, lot bigger checks. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the this simple Tupperware RC car has been rebuilt many times by uh, you know very, very capable engineers, a lot capable than me. And, wow. and now we have a, an incredible robot. It's, it looks simple from the outside, but. Uh, you know, the, the years of work that has gone into, let's say, building the perfect cameras, it works, you know, great at night and rain. And, mm. uh, it's just the, the engineering behind this is absolutely mind-blowing. I, I can't even imagine. And I hope I hope you kept the RC car like as a, as a souvenir. Maybe you guys have it framed in the office or something because that must be pretty cool. It, it's funny that you ask. I am not emotionally attached to things. Uh, so I... I did a triathlon with my partner a couple of weeks ago and they put the melon on me and then we took a picture and immediately took it out of my shoulder of my neck and just like throw it to the garbage. <laughs> and, and, and she was like, you're a monster. It's like, it's like, I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> and a few months ago, we were cleaning the other office and we had all these early prototypes and I was just like, you know, breaking them into pieces uh, and put them no. on the trash. Um, but a few, a few people were able to stop me and, and you know, took some of them home. Okay, uh, so good. They're not all gone. We have pictures. Okay, uh, that's something good. we have. Amazing, yeah. Because I'm sure that to see that evolution and to look back must be so cool. Um, okay, so I, I, I love, I love where this is going. So then, talk to me about like when you got your first client, right? So right now, I'm, I'm like invested. So you know, you go from seven job offers that now you don't know what to do. Go to <laughs> Toronto. First check of 5,000, which, you know, in retrospect is not a lot, but I know the feeling of someone believing you. And it's as an entrepreneur, it's the best feeling ever uh, to, to go on and then raise $10 million. 
Now, obviously, properly investing in R&D, building this robot up, all the complexities. How do you get your first client to be like, hey, restaurant, I got this robot. Like the first pitch must have been a little tough. I'd love to hear like how that went, you know? Yeah. You know, something that we discover um, sometime ago and, and by surprise was the power of advertisement. We were trying to do delivery first. Uh, and our robot just wasn't as good as people. So it was a slower, uh, humans are like, you know, 99% reliable and, and our robots were 90%. Right. And, and that was just not good enough. It's, you know, 10 times worse than people. People right. you know, know what it's going to use it and so on. And so the first, like, two or three years was a like, pretty uphill. Um, and people kept asking us, like, can I put my name on the side of the robot? I was like, no, that's a distraction. We need to make delivery and so on. And one day we said yes. And so we had our first advertiser. And that's the next day, the strokes, this rock band I absolutely love, they go by, they take a picture of, of the robot, put it on the Instagram, and it gets something like 10 million likes. Wow. Um, that company must have been happy. <laughs> yeah. Whoever advertised that. <laughs> They got really lucky. And and that was not an exception. Like it still happens every other week that someone makes some viral video and gets like millions and millions of views and all these wow. uh, social media platforms I'm too old to use. Wow. So so how does that model work now? Do you guys charge like a, a monthly fee for advertising? Is it one time fee? Because that, that's smart. They're going, you know, multiple times a day across, you know, and I'm assuming in high density areas. So, you know, it's kind of a, a walking or a moving billboard. So how do you guys kind of think about monetizing that? That's exactly right. Yeah. So we, we charge a few thousand dollars per month uh, per robot per advertiser. And, nice. um, you know, they, they get their buck back. Uh, so it's a, it's a really good advertisement. Wow. And the other thing that happened is like now the robots are better than people are delivering. And so the reliability went super high. Wow. Um, and that combined with people doing a lot of batching nowadays also made our quality a lot better. Mm. And so a person take four or five minutes, we just go through like three places. Uh, a robot is parked outside. And so there's no time to pick up. And then you put it on and it, it just goes in, and in 20 minutes at your place. And so wow. super reliable. And super fast. And so That's really now, cool. yeah, so now restaurants really want to use us for delivery as well. That's awesome. And so what did it look like when you got, you know, I, I, I totally get it, uphill battle, 90% sounds good, but compared to, like you said, a human at 99. So it's really cool that you guys have crossed that, uh, that boundary or that, or that difference, I should say. Um, how did you guys get your first restaurant? Like you just approached them and like, how did you, how did you frame them and how did you get them to, you know, give you a shot? It was actually kind of easy. So the, the robot is so magnetic. Like people see them and they're blown away. Mm. And, and so they really approach us. Like people have always come to us with crazy ideas of things they want to do. And, and so it's always been us saying no and being shy than the other way around. Uh, for example, now there's a bank who wants to uh, like put a QR code on the robot so that you can scan them and open your bank account. Oh, wow. uh, kind of on the street and they want you to put like a gift inside the robot uh, so you sign up there and then you get you know a messy jersey on the spot like people always come we, we get crazy ideas every day 
Um, so it's, wow. uh, it's, it's hard to keep the focus. We always want to try them. <laughs> that's, that's funny. And so just for our listeners, I'd love to kind of like walk them through like the, like just so they can visualize, cause you know, it's a very visual thing. So can you walk them through like what it would look like, let's say from the restaurant's point of view. And then I guess from the clients too, like the end customer. So I'm a restaurant, I'm in, let's say Brickle in Miami. Um, I want to use tiny miles. So tell me what happens is the robot there does it come once i accept orders like i'd love to understand the kind of logistics of it yeah we have optimized it and made it quite smooth right now so we have integrations with the major pos's and so you see a notification in in your point of sale and that there's an order that's going to be fulfilled by your robot a ticket gets printed with a little logo uh, with a qr code and you come outside with your bag and the food, you show it to the robot, and now the robot knows exactly where to deliver. And so you just like put it in, and, and there it goes. Wow. And so when someone plays an order, like just to, I'm just trying to envision this, you know, I'm placing an order on a delivery app, whatever, let's say Uber Eats or DoorDash, doesn't matter, but I place the order. Is it then it goes to the POS and then how does, is it based on the, the postal code or something or the zip code that it'll assigned to the robot versus you know a driver like how does that process work i'm just trying to understand like how does it know not to assign it to a delivery driver and assign it to tiny mile yeah we, we do that optimization so for example if it's raining in brickle there are basically no human careers <laughs> and, and, and humans will be a really bad service and so we always use robots when it's raining okay uh, the robot doesn't mind getting wet um, <laughs> if we have uh, we have limited capacity now, so all the roads are they fully utilized. And so if okay. we don't have roads available, then we have to send a person. And so this yeah. is an entire sort of like optimization that we do. Yeah. Uh, we, so, we also want to start doing some sort of like synergies between humans and robots. Uh, so maybe you pick up from two places mm. uh, with robots, they meet at some point and the person uh, you know, does, yeah, picks it up. And so it is quite a complex, uh, you know, optimization. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, that we're just starting to tackle. Wow. Um, that's super interesting. And, yeah. and so at any given night, let's say like, you know, I know you guys are in Miami. I assume you're probably in other markets or is Miami the main market right now? We're very much focused in Miami right now. Okay. Okay, cool. And so like, how many, let's say how many robots you have on a given night that are kind of roaming the streets? Yeah, maybe a hundred robots could be roaming at, at a given night. Wow. Okay, it's super interesting. And if it's like a high-end restaurant, or not high-end, sorry, high-volume restaurant, do, does it ever make sense that like certain restaurants you know, keep a robot there for the night because they have so many orders? Or is it really that when the orders are made, the robot, you guys have enough robots that they'll know which place to go and pick it up and deliver it? Yeah, we have a central hub that the robot leaves in the morning and they come back at night. And yeah, yeah. It, it makes my day seeing this. There's nothing <laughs> more fun than opening the the door at night and see all of them just come after a long day of work and you just plug them in. It, and it they all adorable. recharge. Wow. They all recharge. I, I pet them one by one. <laughs> um, but it's it's that that's kind of a, basically the cost of moving the robot is is very low uh, from our hub to whatever merchant. And so instead of explaining them, you know, how to store it, how to take care of them, asking them for space or anything, it's just more efficient to uh, like centrally 
locales rolled. That makes sense. And I'm curious to know what kind of, you know, with any venture, there's always, you know, things you stumble on, walls you hit. I'm sure you've hit a ton of walls just with the, the, the complexity of what you're building. But I'm curious with on, on the robotic side, like what are some walls you hit that maybe you didn't anticipate, um, you know, being in Miami? Like, I guess weather overall is not bad, right? Like you're not, you don't have to worry about snow yeah. or, but like, I'd love to hear like what kind of walls or things that you hit that you're like, ah, oh, shit, we didn't think about this. That's a good point. I, we used to operate in Toronto, uh, and snow was such a hard challenge <laughs> that we had all this like fake snow inside our office and we'll run them. And, and getting wow. to go over like five or six inches was super hard. When wow. we went to Miami, it was so easy in comparison. Wow. Uh, the, the, one of the biggest ones has been the rain. Like when it rains in Miami, it rains, it rains hard. hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and it rains so, hard. Yeah, we we thought we had uh, you know something watertight, but but water kept coming in. <laughs> and now, would you say it's pretty watertight after I guess a lot of uh, iterations? It, it's it's a lot better. It's yeah. never perfect. Like we're gonna keep right. improving this for the next hundred years. Uh, but wow. they they work well on the rain and and comparatively better than people. Right? It's like impossible to get anything delivered in the rain in Miami. And, you know, you have to wait two hours. It's true, so yeah. it's, it's good to be able to provide that kind of like differentiated service in, in the times where it's more, most needed. Right. And I'm, I'm super curious for the restaurants, like, um, obviously it's super novel, super interesting. I think for the client, like you said, it makes sense. They maybe get it faster. It's quick. Um, what, what are the main kind of benefits that the, that the restaurant gets? Is it, is it cost savings? Is it, I'd love to hear kind of like, cause we have a lot of restaurateurs that listen. So if they're in Miami and they're thinking about like, oh, this sounds interesting. I'd like to try this, you know, check out tinymile.ai. Um, what are some of the benefits that, you know, they can realize by, by using you guys? Yeah, it's a, quite a combination. So most, the average restaurant that, that does, let's say 20 or 30 hours a day, they're saving something like 30k per year by working okay. with us. And, you know, that's a little money for, for a small map and pa, uh, restaurant. And then these are other advantages. So the, the advertisement is included. And so they, they get more customers. The reliability is very high. Uh, there's a like great trackability. You now it's common that the eater complains that the fries are missing and so on. Well, we have a, a lock container that can only be unlocked uh, with someone's phone, with the eater's phone, and now we have video tracking and so on along the way. Wow. And so can really guarantee, uh, you know, what we're uh, carrying. And then this like opportunity for interaction with the eater, that it's also kind of fun. And uh, so the role has a little speaker. Uh, so can say, Angela, thank you so much for ordering an ice cream. Why don't you try a coffee next time? Uh, wow. Okay. And so they sell these little things to delight the customer. And so That's all great. in, it's, it's, it's a good service. That's really interesting. And so um, logistically, when you guys go to a city, in this case, Miami, what's the radius that you guys, because I imagine obviously you have to stay within a certain radius, right? Last mile delivery. So like typically I'm assuming you go to like the downtown cores or the densely populated areas where there's high volume, high traffic, you know, good amount of restaurants. Um, so I guess in Miami, probably downtown slash Brickle area. Um how far can these robots go? So like what's, when you look at a geographic area, what, what's Tiny Miles' current, you know, radius? 
Yeah, you're right. So we, we built sidewalk robots and, and these are best suited for the dense cities. And so we can do about a mile and a half to two miles in this 20 minute time. Okay. And so that's really where we can offer a great service. If we need to do any more than that, that's when we start combining humans and people. Okay. To get to three, four, five miles. And, okay. and so it is a good service for, for the dense cities. Um, okay. eventually we hope to, again, increase the speed, uh, maybe do something that goes on the road and that's when the doors open to now start doing five, six miles. And, and that's pretty good for, you know, most American cities. That's really neat. And they, I'm assuming these robots like this, so there, there's enough power that they can be out all day or do they often go back to the hub to recharge or just end of day? No, battery lasts entire day. And oh, so wow. they... The real distance that the robot can do is like a hundred miles. Like if you want to, you know, go on a straight line for 20 hours, you can go pretty far with them. Wow. Okay. So now, now I hear a bit of, of the, the restaurant side, a lot of benefits. It doesn't sound like there's much setup either, right? Cause you integrate with their POS, so there's not much friction for them. So what about the, um, the client side? So you know, you mentioned the lockbox. So is there anything the client needs to, on their end? Is it, is it an app they have to download? Is it web-based? So just to, you know, I'm at home now. I order, I'm living, let's say downtown Miami. I see a robot at my front door of my condo. Um, I'm assuming I go down or does it come up? That'd be really cool if it came up. Does it go to the lobby? I'm it, assuming. It doesn't. No, it's, it's curbside. <laughs> okay. okay. okay um, so it goes, so it goes right you, outside. Okay. That's right. So as you said, it, you, you get a text message with a trucking link. You can see where the robot is, and then you press a button in this app, and and you unlock the lead. And okay, so cool. So so it opens that up in a browser. You don't need to download anything. You have a code. The robot comes on the curb. Open it up. You're good to go. That's exactly right. And okay. it's it's also a good experience. Like they think on wait for you if you have a little delay, and uh, this experience is very reliable. Uh, you know that nobody mess up with your food, and it comes quicker. And so wow. instead of waiting four or five minutes, you wait, you know, depending on this, so maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15. Wow. Wow. And, so and, I, and I can, yeah. that's, that's so cool. I can only imagine one thing that, yeah, I mean, many things, but one thing I'm thinking to your point about before with the ads and that virality, I'm imagining almost every guest or every, you know, consumer, I should say the first time they order, I imagine they're taking, like, I'm putting myself in their shoes. I'm for sure taking a picture and uploading it to my Instagram. Oh. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. Right. We see the entire family. We see a lot of people just ordering to see the robot. Wow. Like fam families that, with kids. Um, that's awesome. I get that's so many awesome. emails every day from, you know, my kids love the robot. It's birthday today. Can I put the cake inside and can you deliver it <laughs> to the park? Um, oh, wow. I have it all the time. Wow. That, uh, that's awesome because you guys have this like organic virality of just like people want to share because it's such a novel thing it's so it's so neat so new it's so futuristic like, i know it exists today but it like it feels like something you'd see out of a movie right yeah i, I really like the model and so i really like basically what happened with the internet like the internet made the cost of moving information basically zero like before mm. i had to send you you know a fax and i had to walk to the fax machine it was so much effort now i can send you an attachment for you know basically nothing um and it's so quick and so if we could do the same things with objects like if i could send you something it's never going to be as good as the internet but if right. i can send you something for 10 cents 
and arrives to your place in 20 minutes. I think that opens the door to build so many companies on top. Same same way we built so many companies on top of the internet. And so now, right. you know, you're good at, uh, you know, building a flower set. If you like, if you want to sell flowers, now you just prepare the flowers in your apartment and put them in robots and then you send them mm. all over the city for for a few cents and, you know, super quick. Or you can share things. There's so, so many things you can build when you, uh, it basically makes transportation so much more effective. That's super and, interesting. And that's basically what we've done. So we, we can now deliver for free. You know, so anybody can use our API and, and you know build whatever they want and and deliver stuff super quickly and for free. And, and we're oh, lucky wow. enough that all these people are fascinated by the robot. And, and so all these eyeballs help us uh, get advertisers uh, to cover the cost of the business. That's unreal. So so I'd love to hear what what would you say? And I think you touched a bit on it there. But what what's you know your vision? Um, with Tiny Mile, I mean, it sounds it sounds like you alluded to a bit of it there with the parallel of the internet. But I'd love to hear from you. Like, where do you see Tiny Mile the next year, the next three years, and beyond? Well, it, it's very hard to imagine that you know all deliveries that can be done by robots won't be done by robots, and so anything under you know these two miles uh, that can basically done be done by free and you know in such a safe way and, and so on. Like all that has to be done by robots eventually. You know, there, there might be some percentage that, that kind of go to the curbside. I want to pay eight dollars, and you know, I'm way longer and so on. But I think the large majority, it, you know, we still have horses, even though we have cars. <laughs> and so, right. you know, not all, you know, not hundred percent will be done by robots, but I think the majority will be. And and when that happens, now we're talking and again about this hundreds of millions of deliveries that happens every month. And so I, you know, it, it's hard for me to imagine any scenario in which that doesn't happen. Right. Um, that's crazy. And of course, that's just a start. And, you know, we're already doing a lot of R&D in increasing the speed, uh, you know, 20% in two months and 20% the next month and so on. And, and so at some point, it's not going to be two miles, but four miles. And, and now it's only like 20 pounds, at some point it's going to be 50 pounds. And wow. so then start becoming then not only, you know, all the meals that you eat, it's going to be all the groceries that you eat and so on. That's awesome. And, and I think it's like a, a cool vision in which we can save tons of time to, t- to people. Uh, so now, hey, 100 years ago, people, or, or a few hundred years ago, everybody used to make their own clothing. And now it's ridiculous. We, we buy our own clothing, but nowadays we make our own food and spend uh, two hours a day cooking, cleaning, cleaning, taking the trash out, going grocery right. shipping and, and so on. Yeah. yeah. But it, but if you can make delivery absolutely cheap, like instead of paying eight dollars, you pay cents. And if you can manufacture food at a scale in a central location, I think there's, uh, there's a point, there's a threshold in which uh, making a burger at home costs you, you know, four dollars, but getting one delivery costs you three dollars fifty. And so, I think it's a trust in which, even when we get to that point, uh, we can say, let's say, um, twenty hours a, a week to you know a hundred million people, and uh, so two hundred million hours, uh, and I, I don't, I don't think we're that far. 
That's really cool. And, and you know, one, one question I have to ask, because I can imagine like people are thinking this, do people mess with the robot? So I wouldn't, you know, I'd say a robot, I would probably take a picture or video, but do you, have you found that anyone's like messing with them or kicking with them? And I guess, Hey, are, are people doing it? And then do you guys have a way to like track it if it happens? Like, I'm just wondering, like, I feel like as you guys expand, it'll probably happen at some point. One of the things that blown my mind about, and as an Argentina who never put a robot in Argentina, <laughs> is that we haven't had a single robot stolen. Uh, so when okay. I when I put my Tupperware robot in Toronto, and, and I put it there, I was like, "There's no way I'm bringing this back home. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna drive this for ten minutes. Some, someone's gonna take it." And <laughs> you know, it's been four years, and we still haven't you know lost a single one. Amazing. That's awesome. We have people who like put a sticker, you know, we have like very mild, like vandalism like that. So, some people want to like communicate with us and put their business card and, and, and put it on the top and so on. Um, on the contrary, what has happened that has really blown my mind is how kind people are to robots. Interesting. Uh, really enough, I feel like they're nicer to the robot than to other people. I think they see it as a dog or, or something like that. It's like the, you know, the, the stray dog from the neighborhood. Right. Like right. We have had cases, particularly, you know, the beginning, which the robot will sleep or anything like that. Um, and people were like immediately within seconds, like come and help out. Wow. Um, actually some, some of the videos like most watching TikTok and whatnot are these videos of the robot getting stuck in the snow in Toronto. And someone, you know, running with a phone and I'm making a video, I'm coming wow. to help. And then the robot says, thank you. And it's, you know, it's just, uh, it's just crazy. That's, that's amazing. And, and I guess just to, to give our listeners an idea. So right now, Toronto, Miami is the main market. Where do you guys see yourselves going? Is it really just focusing here and growing here? Or do you have plans to go to other big uh, metropolitan areas? Well, there are tons of economies of scale uh, that one can have in a city. Yeah, and um, and so I would I would love to be in Miami and have thousands of robots and and have all these amazing synergies before we move to the second city. That makes sense. And so we'll be in Miami for another you know one or two years. That makes sense. That's awesome. And so for people who are listening and they want to learn more, can you tell them where they can find you? I mean, I know you mentioned TikTok videos, your website. So this is a chance for you to just kind of maybe share. We have a lot of listeners that just like learning about hospitality and we have a lot of restaurateurs. So there's kind of both sides, but anything you want to share of where they can learn more about Tiny Mile? Yeah, go to our website, tinymile.ai. And you can see our products and you can get in touch. And you can benefit from advertisement. You can save 20 grand per month per year if you're a small business in delivery. It's, it's a lot of uh, you know good service that we're offering these days. I love it. Amazing. Well, Ignacio, thank you for being here on uh, Whisking It All. It was a pleasure to learn about Tiny Mile. I've personally had the chance to see them around Miami. It's really novel when you actually see them in person. But to know that I'm now speaking with the guy, the brains behind it is, is, is a really cool thing. So I wish you all the best. And for everyone listening, tinymile.ai check it out for our restauranters if you're in the miami core might be something you want to offer um you know to get better uh give better service to your clients thank you so much this was fun this is awesome man we'll be in touch all right feel free to check out wist.ai for more resources 
and schedule a demo with one of our product specialists to see if it's a fit for you.